child It's a big world out there Nothing is ever guaranteed You can reach for the stars Try to catch one if you dare But if you Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now You Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the Washington, D.C. area, my guest has been a singer-songwriter, but has gone on to be one of the most successful at what he does, although it's not as a singer-songwriter. Even though he at one point was being pitched by one of the most successful and highly respected publishing companies in Nashville at the time, he left a day job in the corporate world and found higher earnings in the music business, now owning an entertainment design company whose top act, Sound Connection is internationally known, and his business has even been featured in the Washington Post. You've been hearing an original song of his called I'll Be There. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Andy Kushner. Hey, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks. Welcome, Andy. Thanks so much for doing this. Sure. Love it. Uh, Our discussion today is going to be somewhat different from what the regular listeners are used to, but let's do stick to the usual script long enough to just have you talk about the song that was just playing, I'll Be There. Sure. That was a song uh, when my daughter was around four years old. I wanted to write something for her that that gave her a message and and would kind of help her, uh, give her some support when she would listen to this phone um, throughout her life, uh, through the song, I mean, throughout her life. And so uh, the first verse kind of starts to talk about, you know, her as being a child. And then as she's in her upper teens and starting to kind of strike out on her own, it deals a little with that. And and then uh, some more stuff as she gets even older. And the whole point of that song is that uh, you could depend on me. I, you know, I'll be there for you and, and help you no matter what happens and, and help you to, to have your dreams no matter what challenges you face. So that's what that was about. I love it. It was one of my favorite songs. And so I have to ask then, how old is she and, and how much did that song become the soundtrack of, of her years growing up? <laughs> well, <laughs> whoa, big question. A uh, lot of pressure. Well, she's she's now 21. She's a senior at Rutgers University. And uh, I mean, it is sweet. It, I, at one point when she was a little bit older than four, I had given her the lyric and at the time a CD uh, framed and she does it have it. She has it on, on the wall of her apartment. So I don't know if she ever looks at it. I don't know. But uh, yeah. But uh, but what, were there ever any moments over the years, you know, playing that song back for her, back for her, or kind of the "Hey, honey, don't forget the song I I, I wrote for you. I'm I'm here anytime." Oh, uh, that's a actually that's a great question. Yeah, there was. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, she has had her share 
of, of challenges as well as great times. And so, yeah, there were some times when I did, I kind of reminded her that, um, you know, beyond it all that, that I'm here, her parents are there for her and, um, and she can always, you know, get some solace in being around people who love her and who she loves. Very nice. Well, let's set this up so that the listeners understand who you are and what you do today. Explain what Andy Kushner Entertainment Design is. Sure. Um, well, it started, maybe we'll get into more of this a little bit later, but it started with my uh, putting together some bands that fortunately started to do very well. They're, they're basically covered dance bands. I mean, they've done everything from weddings, corporate events, fundraising galas, to even uh, headlining the opening of a new stadium in Mexico and wow. a big new, yeah, new Year's for High Rollers at Bellagio in Las Vegas. Wow. And yeah, we just recently came back from Singapore. So it kind of... Uh, blossomed into this very interesting business. Um, what's really behind it all is my desire, passion, interest in creating experiences for people, for people who are having some kind of a celebration. And so I, uh, what I like to do is facilitate that celebration by through music, through um, and not just bands and, you know, whatever kind of entertainment acts uh, performing, but rather really getting to know my client, whether it's a bride and groom or it's the event producer of a major casino and uh, find out what their goals and objectives are and then custom create the music and entertainment to go take it even further to not only accomplish those goals and objectives, but really move people in the room, move them into doing whatever they need them to do, whether it's to contribute money for a fundraiser or simply to share the love mm. of uh, the, the wedding of a bride and groom. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's 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 it. it it's really fun. It's but, a blast. But to be clear, though, you you it sounds to me, and I'm, I'm putting this in the form of a question, it sounds as though you are really there focused on the music. You are not an event planner. You are not someone that's helping stage the event. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's, that's a good point. That is correct. And, and I also, I mean, I, I love performing and it helps me, you know, stay on the ground to see what's going on in events. And so I do perform in my in my top band sound connection, I lead it, I play trumpet. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I do not necessarily, uh, I don't plan the events, I will consult and give uh, some help with that. But it's really more with the entertainment and, and the music, uh, which, which is often the driving force behind these events. Um, so I believe it has really the most to do with whether an event is successful, if there is live music, the live music can be hugely impactful. So I, I take it really seriously. And I, I don't just want any of my acts to uh, simply show up and perform. But there's a whole lot of pre-production, a lot of planning beforehand. And, and the way I put together these musical acts, because I only I mostly represent the ones that I've formed and, and produce and manage. I've, I've done other things. I was fortunate to once produce an event uh, bringing on Earth, Wind and Fire. That was a blast. Wow. But but I like to have as much control, and so I choose singers and musicians in a way that they understand why they're there. They're there to help this crowd connect. Uh, they should, uh, you know, kind of bring a celebrity style element to it. But they're there to help people have a great time. Well, and as those in the listening audience who are performers know, there are a very there are a very short list of things that people will walk away from an event with a criticism of, and and something like catering comes to mind, and and obviously the entertainment. So so you're dead on with, you know, you really understand the importance of look. I want you to give these people a good time, and I want you to have, as you say, you know, some sort of celebrity aura about you. But these people need to walk away saying, boy, that band was fantastic. 
Yeah, I agree. And it, it's it's really uh, the memory. I mean, it, it leaves a very lasting impression of how did they have a really great time. And um, and again, in, in from the perspective of music for those celebrations, we can really help bring that about and facilitate it. And so how many, you, you mentioned that you do personally play, perform, you do perform with Sound Connection. How many groups do you have underneath the Andy Kushner Entertainment Design umbrella, understanding again that you only perform with one of them? Yeah, including Sound Connection, I've got a total of five. There's Four bands, Sound Connection, Marquee, Sound Nation, Rhythm Six, and also a, a really fun dynamic string group called Pop Culture Strings. Um, and those are the acts. And then, you know, we'll also, again, we'll, we'll put together uh, music if we don't, if I don't have it. Uh, and like if I have a vision for some kind of music that doesn't fit what is already in my company, I'll put it together. I'll bring mm. the people together. And, and we do, we travel, we fly all over the world. And so it's, it's, I feel very fortunate. I can sometimes bring in talent from all over. We we did a uh, a corporate job in Singapore just a few weeks ago. They wanted an 85 minute show, and uh, there were a lot of Asians. And I knew that Michael Jackson is is really loved by them. And so mm. I was able to get the percussionist who was with Michael Jackson on the wow with, yeah when they were preparing the tour and wow. So yeah, so sometimes I can I, I bring add people to it, and and um, it's really wonderful. Sure. It's a blast. Well, uh, we've talked on this show before with some guests who have walked away from their day job to go all in with music for whatever reason. The first one that comes to mind is episode 39 with Ellie Holcomb. Uh, Listeners, if you did not hear that one, go back. She has uh, quite an interesting story that she tells Ellie Holcomb on episode 39. Uh, Since we do want to put the uh, do not try this at home disclaimer out there, Andy, what was it specifically that triggered you walking away from a job in the corporate world to do your own thing in the music business? Were, were you already doing maybe Andy Kushner Entertainment Design on the side? Did you land a big deal that signaled to you that, okay, now I can walk away? Was your boss a jerk? Was the pay bad? What, what was it that, that triggered you to, to walk away from your, your day job and do this? That's such a great question. You know, I'll try to summarize this as best as I can. Um, when I was a young teenager, I started my first band. I was in Tampa, Florida. And hey. for the age, yeah. <laughs> right and, here and in Tampa. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so for for the age and time, we were relatively successful. All right. Since you're in Tampa, I know people all over the world listen to this. But when I was uh, 16, we were playing at Tampa Stadium for the professional soccer team, the Rowdies. And so mm. uh, pregame, halftime and postgame. And so we had an average of 7000 people watching us. And and that led to a lot of jobs. And so really my first experience performing and I'm going to say for the sake of writers out there, interpreting music and songs and lyrics was uh, was when I was a teenager. And then, uh, again, long story, I'll cut this short. I basically ended up uh, going to college in some different places, a quick brief stint at Berklee College of Music. I ended up getting a business degree at Boston University, mm. and I really missed music. And I, as a trumpet player, I, I learned to do a lot more since that time. But as a trumpet player, I didn't see... I just didn't feel confident in going for it in that way. And, and so I got this business degree. Um, I then tried to get into the record business. This is a while ago. <laughs> um, I didn't get the kind of position I wanted. So I thought, well, gee, computers seems to be pretty big now. It was IBM. So I became a sales rep for IBM. And mm. that's actually, that's where I really learned about the business of business. 
mm. um, you know, how to communicate with adults, uh, how to sell. And that's not necessarily a bad word. You know, it's, it's really expressing the value of this product or service that you have and why it can help people. So I learned a lot about that. And uh, eventually my job changed and I was dealing with um, business owners. I learned a lot about being an entrepreneur and then went to Lexmark, which was uh, formerly a division of IBM. And in the middle of all of that, I, I got very involved in songwriting, going back and forth to Nashville. Um, so while I was getting so much more into that, I also started a band and it was Sound Connection. And I was seeing a vocal coach who said, you need to start a band so you can perform again. And mm-hmm. um, I found out that in these cosmopolitan areas like Washington, D.C., um, you can make money with a cover dance band. And I went to see the top ones in town and I was just stunned at how lacking I thought they were in mm. a lot of respects. Yeah, yeah, talent and musical talent and visual presentation. And I only had celebrity concerts that I'd been to to compare it to. And so my vision was to create a band that can do these parties that gives the look and feel of a celebrity act. Uh. And it, yeah. And, and But to come back to, to answer your question specifically um, – while having this band on the side and songwriting, I was getting more and more frustrated, even though I was kind of at the pinnacle, at least in terms of sales in a, in a Fortune 500 company. I just it wasn't feeding my heart. And I hmm. I, I want to say for all of those out there listening, it's not a terrible thing to have a job. I mean, I, I looked at it as funding my musical interest and my, <laughs> yeah, and like my dream. That. I like that. Sure. I think that's a good way to look at it. And also, you know, so many musicians don't have a good sense of business. And I was learning. I had no idea at the time how helpful it would be. But I was honing business skills, which are complete a huge part of why whatever success I have now. So. um, So, yeah, I had gotten very frustrated being in the corporate world and having a manager, having someone tell me what to do and do performance (laughs) reviews. Um, having to be somewhere at a certain time. And so uh, that really was a force that drove me to try to figure out uh, what seemed to be impossible, which was replacing a really good income with a new family, having a new family and uh, making it in music full time. Mm. And so you were already up in up in the D.C. area uh, when you decided to, to make this leap. That, that's where you were based uh, in your IBM job. That's correct. They had moved me, which was typical for people in sales in that company that we could move anywhere in the United States. And they sent me to D.C. And uh, I happily went at the time. I was young. I was only like 22. And um, and I found this vocal coach who became a mentor. I, you know, I also really encourage people to seek out help. Uh, I mean, look, most people know uh, Stevie Wonder has a vocal coach. You know, Michael Jackson had one. I mean, the greatest, you know, song, there are songwriters who have some uh, coaches. And and so I surrounded myself with mentors and uh, that helped keep me motivated and, and helped me be on the right path to figure out how I can make a life in music. Okay, but I, I apologize. There's a slight disconnect here. So you're talking about using a vocal coach, yet you mentioned before that when you perform with Sound Connection that you were a trumpet player. So hold my hand through that a little bit because I'm going, well, he's a trumpet player. Why, why, does, why did he need uh, voice lessons? You know what? I'm so glad you just brought that up. Um, it turned out that uh, production-wise, technique-wise, I, I was really good. Uh, however, for some reason, I still don't understand it to this day, I wasn't able to emote as a singer. Um, I could on the horn. 
And so, however, from having this brilliant vocal coach who would also start talking to me about, you know, how to present myself uh, on stage and um, what songs are about and lyrics and the craft, I really learned so much about what it takes to be a great singer, even though I never became one and how what what's really the most important thing behind a song? I mean, of course, it's the message. And as a singer, it's delivering that that message and and then starting to understand more about lyrics. I Being a trumpet player, I hadn't focused on lyrics. It was music. And so I got this interesting perspective working with this real brilliant vocal coach uh, that taught me about music. And all of this all did lead to um, some interesting stories with with uh, going forward as a songwriter. So do you sing with sound connection or do you just play the trumpet? I just play the trumpet. However, I know how to choose a singer. So my singers uh, uh, tend to, they're known for being just outrageous. And, you know, it's interesting. I tell them sometimes the singer will come in. And for instance, uh, I had one a few years ago who was singing a Whitney Houston song, I Believe in You and Me. It's a beautiful song. And she sang it just like Whitney. It was stunning. And the audience loved it. And I pulled her aside. I said, please don't copy her you have a great voice and and be yourself and just give it your own interpretation. And again, this is related, obviously, to songwriting. And so uh, that's part of what I got from understanding singing and choosing the right kind of singers and um, and and again, my own writing career. Well, and so a good a good endorsement from someone who himself is not singing. And listeners, we've we've had a number of episodes of this show where the guest has talked about how valuable working with a voice coach is. Ironically, back on episode 75, one of our kind of milestone episodes of this show, Anne Burston, who is the lead singer of the Canadian rock group Dream Aria, she herself does vocal coaching, yet she was just speaking about the benefits of voice lessons and wasn't promoting herself as a voice coach, she wasn't trying to drum up business. I asked her to be on the show because her, her band is successful. So it wasn't even a sales pitch that was being done. And, and she is a, among a handful of guests that have talked about the importance of voice lessons. And now here's Andy, who's a, a trumpet player and, and moreover, the owner of Andy Kushner Entertainment Design, telling uh, you, the listeners who are performers, how valuable that can be. Uh, Andy, let's let's back up, though, and, and have you talk about, because you, you did a nice job there, um, of of kind of giving a synopsis of, of your career. But let's back up and have you talk about the portion of your career where you were someone that was being pitched by a top publishing company in Nashville. How how long was that portion of your career? How did you get to the point where you had a big publisher going to bat for you? Th- those types of details. Sure. That's also another long story I'll try to summarize. Uh, I was uh, I had recorded trumpet on a record by Peter Himmelman. Some of the listeners might know who he is. Um, he had a band at the time called Sussman Lawrence, and I was hanging out with the band at their band house when they were going for it in New York City. And and by the way, Peter went on to to write for I believe it was Judging Amy and Bones and uh-huh. um, yeah, and he was starting to get into the top forty. And there are reasons why it didn't work out, but one one day I was hanging out with him and uh, we were talking about writing and. He was explaining this uh, fairly new four-track cassette recorder, a Tascam. <laughs> yeah, this really shows you how old I am. And, uh, and he was telling me that he was playing all the instruments and he had done all these songs. And I said, well, how many have you written? And he pointed to two shopping bags, paper, paper bags. Uh, they were filled to the top, both of them with cassette tapes. You know, I don't know. There were 10 songs on each side of his songs. And I listened wow. to them and I was 
Yeah, I was blown away. And I, I, I don't know if it was arrogance. I don't know what it was. I thought, well, well I can do this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was in my low 20s. And so I went home and I bought the four track and uh, started to write. I, and then I realized, oh, geez, I, I got to get a synthesizer. I did play a little bit of piano. And, and then I had to put down a drum program. And I thought, wait a minute, I don't know about drums. And I started to listen to just the drums on songs and bass. And I started writing. And this is while I'm selling for IBM. And I did not yet have a band, uh, Sound Connection. And I loved it. I would be up you know, most of the nights. And I was writing all these songs. At that time, I was prolific. I, I wrote a lot of stuff. And I started to send some songs out to some people. I went to uh, music seminars, like the new music seminar. One of the biggest experiences that gave me a lot of confidence was I met Don Was. And this was right after, yeah, it was right after he had produced the big record for Bonnie Raitt that got all the Grammys. And one of my songs, he really liked. And Mm. he he didn't sign it, but he gave me encouragement. Um, And then uh, then I had grown up, uh, I was in a stage band in high school with Kurt Howell, who was one of the writers and lead singers of Southern Pacific. Um, You know, had a lot of hits. And I uh, called him up and he introduced me to the Nashville Songwriter Association mm-hmm. um, out of Nashville. A lot of people know about that. I don't know what they do now, but back then they were very powerful. And the, the uh, director of it, Pat Rogers, um, started to listen to my songs and talked me into, she had to convince me to come to these song camps that yeah. they hold. Yeah, and at the time when I went, uh, John Imms was writing it, uh, running it, and he's the one who wrote She's in Love with the Boy, among other songs. Hugh Presswood, Song Remembers When, uh, and there were a lot of great writers there. I started to get my songs critiqued. And while this was going on, um, I had an opportunity to meet Terrell Ketchum, who ran Forerunner Music. And Forerunner was owned by Alan Reynolds, who produced Garth Brooks. And this is at the peak of Garth Brooks' career. And Terrell, I thought, was very generous to even speak to me, let alone listen to some songs. Mm-hmm. And she signed a song of mine for a single song deal. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and Forerunner had Pat Alger, who wrote Unanswered Prayers for Garth Brooks, Tony Arada, The Dance, Change, How Catch Him. Um, it, it, it was amazing. I didn't even understand how this was going on, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and because this happened concurrently with while I was going to these song camps and starting to feel that I had written nothing. I was learning so much, particularly about lyric writing. I never had an issue with melody writing. Lyrics was a little more my challenge. And um uh, so I was learning so much there, and yet I had this song being pitched by Forerunner Music, and uh, I also had I, I heard another uh, one of your podcasts, some other uh, person who got interviewed talked about Chris Keaton out of Nashville, and, and he had uh, was pitching several of my songs, and uh, to speed this story along, eventually uh, Pat Rogers with Nashville Songwriters Association, who was very very supportive. Uh, said she had been listening to everything I had been doing. I was working hard after the camps and I was seeing John M's individually uh, for lessons. And I was now doing some serious demos out of Nashville, one of which you'll hear at the end of this podcast. And so she then uh, said, you know what, you're ready. I I believe you can be a full-time writer. I Mm. will get you a deal. If you can move your family down here to Nashville, we'll get Mm. you a really good deal. And that, Bruce, is when I realized that that had been my dream. But then I thought, well, I don't know that I can be a, uh, a writer in the Nashville way back then. I guess it's still pretty common, which is you're basically co-writing Monday through Friday from 10 to 4. Right. Um, I had written everything alone um, when I felt like it. 
Um, I was trying at the time to write some hits. I'm sure we all talk about how that's not the way to do it. Um, I was writing from the heart and I was also trying to, to do hits. And I just didn't think that that I would work well in, in that kind of environment. You were, li- so, you were living in D.C. at this point? I was. Yeah, I okay. was in D.C. Okay. I was with uh, Lexmark at the time, okay. doing very well. Hmm. And yeah, and my family, I had a daughter and I didn't, it would be so hard to move. I wasn't, I just didn't feel confident uh, being a writer in that. Like I would love to have been signed in a different way, but I, I didn't think I could handle it in uh, with the co-writing situation and, and that kind of a treadmill. Interesting. Yeah. And fortunately, it was good timing that I turned it down because it was only a couple years later that things started to fall out of the market in Nashville. I mean, now, you know, it's, it's really coming back again. But uh, back then it was very rough. However, what that did do for me was to finally motivate me because Pat said to me, well, if you're not going to take this deal, then you need to find a way to be full time in the music, whether it's with your bands mm. or some other way, you need to do it. And that was the nice. motivation. Nice. Yeah. Nice. With the frustration to say, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get out of this and somehow do it. Well, thank you for for sharing all that because that's that's good testimony to 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 the listeners who I, I fear have big eyes, you know, kind of kind of deer in the headlights thing in, in an excited way that you know, hey, all it all it takes is X and I'm going to be successful because here's someone, listeners, who is saying I basically had a deal on the table. But I turned it down. You know, you do have to do some soul searching. And obviously, you know, Andy had a family at the time and uh, other considerations. So, you know, you, you kind of have to take the blinders off and, and evaluate the entire opportunity and what's around it, meaning what's going on in your present situation. And obviously, there was no way to forecast what was going to happen in the music industry. But uh, here's a guest that that has gone on to have success uh, in the music business, so to speak. And, and that's why we're having him on today. So so this is good testimony. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the Washington, D.C. area is singer, songwriter, and business owner, Andy Kushner. Check out www.andykushner.com for all kinds of information about him and his award-winning company. There are links there to numerous social media sites, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and others, if you like their company Facebook page and then send an email to info at andykushner.com with Now Hear This Entertainment on the subject line, they will send you some of Andy's original songs for free. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's spelled H-E-A-R, as in you hear with your ear. Sign up for the e-newsletter at nowhearthis.biz and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Subscribing is free and it makes it so easy to get the show every week. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you. And please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We've had a lot of great guests along the way so far. I mentioned only two of them so far, uh, Ellie Holcomb from episode 39 and Ann Burston from episode 75. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower and follow the show's Instagram account. It's at Now Hear This Entertainment. As always, a big, big thanks to all those who are not first-time listeners. I'm really grateful for all of you who continue to listen to the show. We are over 90 countries now around the world. It's amazing to see where in the world some of you are listening from. Andy, before we get back into your story, I mentioned in there that Andy Kushner Entertainment Design is on Pinterest. And ironically, just two weeks ago, 
on episode 97, I was talking with singer-songwriter Karen Williams about her use of Pinterest, because up to that point, I, I really had seen few, if any, guests who try to leverage that platform to promote themselves. So how have you been able to utilize Pinterest to get more exposure and, and for all I know, maybe even business for your brand? Well, <laughs> you know, actually, I've got people who handle my social media <laughs> for me. But so I don't know a whole lot about Pinterest. But what I would imagine is that since I believe it's based on a lot of photos, I know it's expanding. Uh, but these photos of, of our bands performing are so exciting. And so from what I understand from my team, um, it helps grab interest, these very exciting photos. And it, it even the photos tell a story and, and gets people's attention so that they do check out the site and, and not to be, well, I guess I am going to shamelessly promote here the spelling because it's hard to spell my name. Uh, it's info at Andy Kushner, K-U-S-H-N-E-R.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, social media, Pinterest, all of it is really the way to go now. So that's why I actually uh, hired people to help us with this. It's that important. Well, and, and hopefully you can you can comment on this one. And, and listeners, by the way, the spelling of Andy's last name, if, if you're driving or doing something where it's not safe for you to write that down right now, as always, you can just look at the title of this episode on your listening device. Uh, Andy, there is also an icon on your company website for Vimeo. And we don't talk much about that platform on this show either, because it seems the guests always have their own YouTube channel. So again, if if you're able to, a little education for the listeners as to why Andy Kushner Entertainment Design has chosen Vimeo, meaning instead of YouTube. Well, you know, again, that's something that my team uh, and I, I really delegate and I trust them. And so they had come to the conclusion that we should use Vimeo. But there are some I believe there were some technical advantages for our purposes of showing these videos uh, that would be more reliable. And I'm not knocking YouTube. I, I watch YouTube an enormous amount. And I, I don't fully understand uh, the decision to go to Vimeo, but uh, there was some advantage with our website and how it's designed uh, to make use of it over a long period of time. Okay. And and this next question just just came to me, and I wonder if maybe you can answer this in a way that will help some of the listeners who are performers that always want, as as any performer should, always wants good quality photos of them performing. They always want good quality video of them performing. What what do you do to make sure that you are getting great photos and great video from a lot of these performances that your bands are out there doing? Do you send along your own photographer and or videographer to these jobs? Do you write it into the contract that if you hire us, uh, the photographer you have shooting must give us pictures? How, how do you handle that? Because you're right, you you do have phenomenal media on, on your website. Well, thanks, Bruce. Well, you know, I want to I wanna point out one thing about your question. I, I love it because... Something else about that question is it is critical for all of us to really scrutinize what it is that we're putting out there to the public. Um, I see loads and loads of photos and YouTube videos that, you know, I believe could have been done a lot better, whether it's some kind of technical difficulty with it or it's a little blurry or maybe the singer is not looking their best in that particular performance um, or a photo, uh, like in my case, if I'm if we're showing performing at a live party, you want to see a, a a full dance floor or a crowd that looks very excited. And so I am extremely particular about every single piece that I send out into the cloud, uh, uh, whether it's photos or video 
or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, every word that we write, I'm very careful about it. And I think that's something that everybody can maybe think a little bit more about what is showing them in the best light. What is the image? What do they want it to convey? That's the first thing I think about to, to really start to answer your question, to decide what to send out and how I get these, these photos and videos is, first of all, what do I want to convey? What do I want to accomplish? What is the action that I want the listener or the viewer to take when they hear or see this stuff? And so, um, well, and yeah. if, if I can just jump in for a minute, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're saying that because it, it, it harkens back to, for me, uh, a blog that, that I, a guest blog that I did for the International Acoustic Music Awards, which where I basically said I was giving seven tips to, to a better live performance. And I said that if you're going to have it captured on film, you don't want someone shooting it with a, a cell phone because it's going to come out looking like it was shot with a cell phone. And, and someone wrote me an email and said, why did you say that? in your blog, I'm kind of curious. They, they were interested. They weren't critical. And I said, it's a statement on how serious you are about the, the level of, of professionalism that your act does or doesn't carry. And if someone looks at it and says, ah, oh, this person, they just got someone shooting it with, a, with an iPhone camera and it's shaky and there's people walking in front of it, then they're going to see that this person isn't fully invested in their brand and their product and what they're putting out there. And, and I think you, you and I are saying the same thing, Andy. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I, so yes, I do hire people. However, um, you know, for people who can't necessarily afford some professional photographer to come out or a professional videographer to come out, um, and there's certainly situations where I'm caught by surprise, or not necessarily caught by surprise, but there's something I really want to capture, and I do pull out my cell phone. However, when I do that, I'm still, I'm taking a lot of footage, and then I'm not just posting it to Facebook. I'm, I'm going to take a look at it, and I'm going to edit it as best as I can, or, or really, I'm going to take the clip that again is conveying what I want it to convey. I'm not just going to very casually send stuff out there. Yeah, so, you're not going um, to upload it directly from your phone. You know, three minutes after you finish shooting it, you're you're going to take it back and analyze it. You know, maybe do a little post production on it and and make sure that it's it's what you want it to be, and not and not let's see how timely I can be. Well, yeah, and I know that being timely is important. However, as as we all know in today's world, today's society, um, it's really these little sound bites and let's call it video bites. You know, people's attention um, it's very limited, and 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 so and we're all guilty in, in in bringing that about as well by putting up all these little pieces. However, we only have some number of seconds to express something um, to our targeted audience or whatever that is. Um, maybe you do want to have some super casual look to it, but in most cases, I'm really I am thinking about well, what do I want to get out of this? Uh, is it just fun? Is it business? Am I trying to sell something, and do I want them to listen or to respond? So yeah, I'm really careful with with everything that I put out. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is don't make promises you can't keep, like telling a venue that you will fill the place up when you know you're just saying what you think they want to hear in order to get a booking. That won't go over well both the night of your performance and in terms of getting you back in there to play again. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. Are you digging the Bruce's Bonus segment each week? Listeners, are the tips helping you out, musicians and entertainers who are listening? 
There's one on every episode. We've even got an ebook for sale at nowhearthis.biz containing the bonus from each of the first 40 episodes. So go there and check that out. In our discussions leading up to today's show, you said, quote, most singer-songwriters will not be financially successful, so my story is a way to show how to integrate our love for music, earn money, learn more about songwriting, and overall still having a fulfilling life in music, end quote. So the part of that statement that I want to focus on is where in your business and in your crazy schedule for someone who travels around the world, are you still able to, quote, learn more about songwriting, end quote? Well, in terms of learning... Uh, I mean, first of all, you know, I still love to write. I don't write nearly as much as I used to. Mm. But as far as I guess to address the last part of it in terms of learning about songwriting, I am always, always listening at both kind of mixed with uh, just enjoying what I'm listening to. And I'm still I can't help it. I'm still somewhat analyzing the craft. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about melody and, you know, and what are they what is what are they trying to say in this song and how did they do it? Mm. You know, the, the way they use the words, the way they use the phrase, um, the singer emoting. I mean, I'm constantly uh, having wonderful surprises uh, uh, when I listen to either a friend turns me on to somebody new to listen to or I'm just listening to artists I already love. I'm, I'm still just automatically, you know, really taking it in. And as I get older and mature and if I am <laughs> mature, <laughs> I question that sometimes. Uh, don't I'm always, we all? I, well, yeah. And I think we're always listening with changing ears. You know, it's interesting when I started to really learn about songwriting, I listened to the songs I grew up with as a teenager in my early 20s. And I heard them completely differently with this different new ear. Mm. I had a different appreciation. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Well, as a public service, Andy, let's right now talk to all the bands out there who are listening to this and saying, I'm going to contact this Andy Kushner guy. He needs to hear us. I'd, I'd like to have him book our band for weddings and corporate events. Uh, since I don't think that's what Andy Kushner Entertainment Design is, what advice can you give to those bands other than just telling them, uh, find a good booking agency in your local market? Well, <laughs> first of all, thank you very much, Bruce, because that's correct. We don't book anything else, so we don't we don't take we don't accept any kind of submissions of any sort. Um, but and I and I I want to back up for just a second. I'll come back to the bands, but you know I didn't know as we quoted the beginning of that quote you said was about how most songwriters you know will really not be able to make much money. I still want to say I do believe in in. Uh, fully with everything you've got, if that's what you love to do, if that's what your dream is, is to uh, be a professional songwriter or a singer songwriter or an artist who writes, I, I absolutely say, sure, go for it. But I do believe that in like in my case, switching over to kind of a band business um, to be able to earn a living and to support yourself. And uh, if you eventually or have a family, obviously, that's really important. Um, some people are willing to really have a struggle to do that. And I also respect that as well. Mm. Artists who do that, I respect it highly. I, I work with some people like that. Um, but at the same time, I do believe there, uh, that there is a way to make money in music and, and I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I want to make no, a point okay. that, okay, as much as I originally really wanted to be a professional songwriter, when I realized that. I wasn't going to be able to do it in the way that I wanted to do it. And I couldn't figure out how to do that. Um, I was really struggling for a long time with having covered dance bands. Um, 
And then I came to realize that I, first of all, I mean, I'm really helping people. Uh, you know, we're helping people to, to really, again, celebrate something very special. We move people. Um, I love to perform. It gives me a great opportunity to perform in very fun ways. I get to produce uh, maybe not necessarily original music, but I'm producing band videos. I'm producing audio recordings. I'm producing bands, you know, music directing. And I, I get music directors, but I kind of get to do a little of everything through this business, make a really good living, enjoy it, and, uh, and live music. It, it may not have been the original dream of being this well-known artist who, who also writes. Um, on the other hand, though, I, I, I'm so much more grateful now that I can have a life in music. Um, and so I take it in now. Yeah, nicely said. Um, so then, the, so then, the advice for for bands um, who who should not contact you <laughs> would, would, would be what? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't address that. Um, well, there's entertainment agencies everywhere the, uh, in every city that uh, have these cover bands uh, that perform for events, and and obviously there's agencies that also promote original artists uh, for playing in a variety of, of venues and situations. And so I, I, a couple of things I would do is uh, obviously you can uh, search on the Internet for entertainment agencies, talent agencies, see what you come up with. Uh, look through the websites of these different agencies to see if it does the kind of business that you'd like to do or get in. Um, also, um, finding, you know, the, seeing these artists out at what they do and then just simply going up to them and mm -hmm. asking, you know, how do they who represents them? How do they get the business? Um, offer, you know, I, one thing I, I love doing and I'm pretty good at doing is networking. Um, and I've like, I, I used to go to these record business seminars and I, I would go up to some pretty big hitters right afterward. And I was surprised they were happy to talk to me. A lot of them, hmm. um, there were a couple I offered to drive to the airport and I did. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, I have some crazy stories about wow. meeting people. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, but yeah, basically searching and uh, that is one way to help support your habit of writing is if you can also perform or sing is to go ahead and, and be in one of these, um, you know, bands, agency bands. But, and, but and, and here's another thing. The big hit writers who I uh, met in Nashville, uh, mostly through the song camp, they would talk about that. I, I don't remember specifically who in particular, but a lot of them would talk about how they would go out there and perform cover songs. And by doing it, because they had to learn inside and out these songs, these songs that were hits, they really got to get a better understanding of the lyric and um, and the melody mm. and, and and about writing. And it was very interesting to hear that. So get out there and perform, even if it's for free. Get out there and do it. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what about these bands that you know who they are and I know who they are? They're They're not... They're not corporate event bands. They're not wedding bands, and their egos say, "Yes, we are." I mean, is is, is there any kind of insight, any kind of wisdom, rather, that, that you could share with them that that will help them realize you know, your time is better spent at where you do excel, and and not chasing this big, you know, this big paying event that that quite frankly, you're not that type of band for for that type of setting. Well, I think by performing out is how they're going to get feedback and see and hear how people respond or don't respond to them. I mean, I do think that in the beginning, there's a certain amount of 
of, uh, I mean, comedians talk about it, actors, musicians, you know, where you kind of have to just ignore it and keep pushing on. But it, it's hard to define that point where you are just not getting where you want to go. You're not getting the kind of, let's call it audience response that you are envisioning. And so, yeah, I think that's a big life lesson to really learn where your strengths are. That's what I had to go through. It was very difficult for me. I went through a lot of hard times and years to discover what it is that I do best and to decide, do I want to earn? How much do I want to earn? You know, where should I put my, my efforts and my focus. It's a very tough, tough life lesson, but I do think that playing out is the best way to get the response. Good, good. Nicely said. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the Washington, D.C. area is singer, songwriter, and business owner Andy Kushner. Check out www.andykushner.com for all kinds of information about him and his award-winning company. As I mentioned before, if you do not know the proper spelling of his last name. You can just look at the title of this episode on your listening device to go to andykushner.com. And once you're there, there are links to numerous social media sites, including, as I mentioned before, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, talked about Vimeo as well. There's some others. If you like their company page on Facebook, and then you send an email to info at andykushner.com, Put Now Hear This Entertainment as the subject line, and they will send you some of Andy's original songs for free. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's spelled H-E-A-R, as in you hear with your ear. Sign up for the e-newsletter at nowhearthis.biz and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it, too. Subscribing is free, and it makes it very easy and convenient to get the show every week. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you, and please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We've had a lot of great guests along the way. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower and follow the show's Instagram account. It's at Now Hear This Entertainment. And I will again give a big, big thanks to all those who are not first-time listeners. Just continually grateful for all of you who are listening to the show on a regular basis. Andy, you mentioned this before, but just to be clear, how how did you assemble the top bands that Andy Kushner Entertainment Design offers? Did, did you yourself handpick all the players? Were these already existing bands? Did you maybe pick a band leader and just tell him or her the type of band you wanted put together? How did that get done? Well, in the very beginning, I, I basically picked everyone myself. Um, I did start with certain, like I needed a music director, for example. And in my very first band, I was originally looking for a keyboardist who could then help me pick people. Um, my ear has been, uh, I've learned a lot since then. I can hear all the different instruments a lot better to choose. But back then, you know, I wasn't so clear what makes the greatest guitar player for this kind of a band and what makes a good drummer. And so I looked for uh, one instrumentalist first, uh, who could really, who has that ear, who could help me find them, who shared a similar vision. Um, and, and that's what I did. And, and then in the very beginning, I did have to advertise for people to audition. Um, eventually, it got to the point where I was fortunate enough to have enough success and enough really great players that I now only get people through people who already are in my acts, um, mm -hmm. who I know, you know, they're already they're great and they have great ears and I trust who they're going to refer to me. And then mm -hmm. I'll have like a final audition. Um, so that's how I find them. And again, that, that experience, um, really 
all of it. Uh, being a trumpet player, uh, the songwriting, um, you know, efforts that I made and, and watching celebrity artists and all of that helped me to develop my ear for the kind of person that I wanted to be in my act. And again, to me, the key here is someone who's not only uh, musically, technically talented, but who knows how to emote with their voice or their instrument. That's really critical to me is, is that they emote, they can deliver the message of, of the song and visually too, for these kinds of bands, you've got to have energy. You have to be inviting. I found that um, there's, uh, there are some, some singers out there that you know, they just kind of want to be a star and have that kind of an attitude. And I found that the, the best singers were the ones that not only sang great and could emote, but also really understood that it was about connecting with your crowd, which I think all of us, singers, songwriters, performers, takes it to another level if you're able to connect with your crowd um, and, and be inviting, you know, that they feel that they can be your friends, like they, like they can hug you at the end of the performance. Yeah, and, and to her credit, there's someone here in the Tampa Bay area that as you're saying what you're saying, she is the very first name that, that pops into my mind because she does embody all those qualities and, and is a true professional. I, I really admire her for that. Uh, so on that note, though, Andy, how much say do you have in the actual onstage performance as it, of, of your entertainers, meaning song selection, wardrobe, uh, who's going to be the one that, that talks on the microphone and says what to the audiences and, and so on and so forth? Well, each of my bands have, I, I choose and, and I mean, in somewhat train up to my vision for my brand. I don't want to change what they do, but there's a certain way that, you know, our company, let's call it, wants to present ourselves. And so each act has a leader who works with the, uh, any event production staff on site, uh, the client, and who might be more of the front person MC uh, dealing with any announcements um, and just running things, make sure people go to come back from breaks on time, the band people, all of that, um, and coordinate logistics. Um, there's also a music director in each band who's in charge of the band in, in, delivering, you know, the, the song, the music. Um, and in Sound Connection, I, I'm the leader. And so I, uh, I will do that part of it. I do have a music director. Uh, my drummer is a great music director. He and I are very much on the same page. We also don't know how much detail, well, maybe you want some detail. We have um, in-ear monitors, which these days are not that expensive anymore. And it allows us not only to control the stage sound better um, and therefore the sound to the crowd, but also we can hear each other with these earphones. And so all my music directors have a mic uh, available so that they can speak and the rest of the band can hear them during the performance. And so they can, when necessary, give some directions. Um, just a little funny story to add to this. With uh, the band that I'm in, Sound Connection, I do choose the songs. And I don't come, by the way, with a preconceived set list. This is, huh. yeah, it's maybe not conventional. But my feeling about it is that I'm part of my job is to read the crowd. Like I go into it knowing what kind of, again, what kind of event it's going to be, their goals and objectives. I have a certain plan. I do have certain songs I know I need to get to, or maybe they've requested. And I have a, a laptop on the edge of the stage uh, that goes to an LED sign on the back of the speakers facing back to the band. And so I choose the song in the moment, what wow. we're doing next. Wow. Yeah. So the band, so the MD and the band can see what's next because I like to have no pause between songs. Now that's different, obviously, if you're a singer, songwriter, you're performing, you may want to talk in between. But with people dancing, you don't want to have pause, you want to keep them moving. And so that's my style with uh, with picking the songs, and I, and I it's such a big responsibility in my opinion 
um, what the sequence of songs are because you're again you're taking your audience on some kind of a journey and um, it can really affect the flow in terms of what song you're performing at what given moment um, so that's how I handle it with my with my acts okay well we're about out of time but I wonder Andy if if you have advice uh, for for the struggling singer songwriter who is inspired by your story because again, I'm a I'm a bit of a risk taker myself, but hearing someone say they left their day job and are now making good money running their own entertainment company and actually doing it yourself is not a decision that you make overnight and step automatically from the outhouse to the penthouse. So uh, with that caution out there, what what advice might you want to leave those listeners with who, who are struggling uh, but but are inspired by by what you've been able to do? I love that phrase from the outhouse to the penthouse. That's great. I might steal that from you. I think that's great. Um, Well, I would first say that, yeah, absolutely. You make such a great point, Bruce. I did not do this overnight. This was a very long process. Um, I actually even hired somebody. I I mean, it wasn't all that much money, but I hired someone in the last year to real an outsider to really help me look at this, to be able to uh, I wanted to leave earning at least as much as I did at my day job. Um, and so it was, again, it was a very long process, but it was a very hard year of of absolute planning for that day of leaving and maybe even two years. Um, but but I So I think it's important to not just leave the day job. I know plenty of people do. They'll just simply take a leap. But I believe in taking an informed leap. Um, Leaving my day job was definitely a, a certain amount of leap of faith. You know, I love that phrase, uh, you know, leap off a cliff and the net, you know, just trust that the net will be there, will appear. I love that. Um, and I have a lot of stories that will support that in my own life. But I think the main piece of advice I could give is to be open-minded about how you can help fund your dream mm. and, and this career. There's a lot of different ways to to make this happen. Um Perhaps it's just a shift in perspective about the job you have right now that if you look at it as a way to fund your your music career, your life, that right there is a shift as opposed to thinking, oh, this sucks that I've got to report to someone and, and I've got to show up and do something that's not my passion. Um, again, I, I remember when I was really struggling with this, I was listening in the car on the way to and from work to stuff that was all music related Um, sometimes during lunch, I would do that when I was writing songs, I would take breaks and I would work on the songs, uh, you know, even for a little bit during the day to help keep me motivated. I would remember that this is paying for, uh, this lifestyle and to prepare myself. And so I think being open-minded and, uh, and, and really thinking it out ahead of time, getting a lot of input from people around you to, to just kind of give some objective in the end, it is your decision and you've got to really trust your heart, trust your gut. I agree with that, but I believe it's an informed decision. It's not just impulsive. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of what you're saying, for for reasons that only those who've heard that episode would know, uh, mm-hmm. it harkens back all the way back to episode eight with Dominic Pages, who talked about what he calls the new economy. And so what you're saying is is a lot like that. And, and listeners, if you're in this boat that, that you're considering taking that leap, I do recommend that you listen to, to episode uh, 39 with Ellie Holcomb, who talked about leaving a secure teaching job that gave her full-time salary and benefits. But also listen to episode eight with Dominic Pages, because he talked a lot about what some people are doing to be creative nowadays, and that it is okay to, to wear several different hats. In the meantime, we're going to close today, Andy, with another one of your original songs 
It's called I Gave My Heart to You. And and wow, I've, I've got to say, when you sent this song to me, I listened to it and I thought, are you kidding me? This guy's trying to pass himself off as, as a business owner who is not a singer songwriter anymore. This is, <laughs> this is really good. Oh, thanks. So uh, before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. Oh, all right. Well, first of all, this, listen, if there's anyone out there who's listening and wants to cut it, please contact me. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy to do that. Um, this song was, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the lyric. It's been a little while. Um, I gave my heart to you. It, it, it really talks about the struggle that anyone in a relationship has, you know, the work that you've got to put into a relationship to keep it together. And so the message of this particular song was recognizing that, yeah, look, you know, we really have to work hard at it. Um, there are ups and downs, um, but really in the end, um, I do love you and, and, and I'm going to be there for you. I'm willing to, to do the work to make this thing work and uh, it's worth it. It's all worth it. Outstanding. Well, Andy, thanks so much for your time. Really enjoyed the conversation. Some really great information, some good, some good wisdom, and, and thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Bruce. I appreciate it. You bet. That will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, business owner, and trumpet player, Andy Kushner. (laughs) Be sure to visit www.andykushner.com and do engage with him and his company on social media. So that means like their Facebook page, follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Andy Kushner Entertainment Design is also on Vimeo, Pinterest, and Google+. And as I've mentioned, once you like their Facebook page, send an email to info at andykushner.com with Now Hear This Entertainment as the subject line, and they will send you some of Andy's original songs for free. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and repost, they call it, is how you share episodes there. And you can also follow on SoundCloud. Let's get your feedback on the show, too. Post your comments or questions on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to it and Twitter and even the Now Hear This official YouTube channel, all on nowhearthis.biz. Plus, there's a link there to this show on Instagram. Or send us an email. The email address is on the contact page of nowhearthis.biz. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online on their website at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in crystal blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Andy Kushner. This is the one he just talked about. It's called I Gave My Heart to You.